Hello, it's Jay and welcome back. I'm here once again with Andrew, another outcast. How are you doing, Andrew? Um, I was doing well until we lost to Palace, but uh, yeah, not too bad today because things could be worse. The last spot is, is, is yet to be filled and we're not there yet, are we? I always think I could be worse. We could be, uh, you know, Huddersfield fan or a Bolton fan at the moment who've had all their problems. So yeah, it could, could be worse. Could be. Right. Okay, so you were actually at the game itself, weren't you, Andrew? Yes. So it was a reverse from last time. I was watching from... Crystal Palace's home turf, and you were you were actually at, at St James's Park itself. Um, you watched so... it from Selhurst Park. No, I just I'm just talking about London. Oh right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, yeah. I, I watched it from London, and you watched it from St James's Park. What was your experience of the day? Um, a game where we created a lot of chances in the first half. In particular, we looked the more threatening team. We deserved to really win the game. I think Rondon had a couple of chances, really. Um, again, Almiron did well. Just frustrating. I think it's one of those games where you come away and you're just like, how did we not? How did we not win? The goal. I mean, Palace always look a threat. They've got some quality players. They've got Townsend. They've got Zaha and Luka Milivojevic. Um, they have some they have some really good players but um i really felt that we should have killed them off in the first half we let them come into it in the second half and then obviously i i don't i don't blame yedlin that much i think it was it's a difficult situation with zaha running at you but it is what it is we should have taken our chances the game should have been put out that's the problem we don't have in the in the final third we don't have amazing quality yet and that's the issue i mean we've sung uh, the likes of Rondon's praises in previous weeks. A lot of people were going up on from giving him outright stick to just saying he was having a quiet day. Um, what were your thoughts on on Rondon's performance? Um, I think he's he got into the positions. So he he led the line, and I, I I think he's a good striker. I don't think he's a great striker. Personally, I think him and Mitrovic are similar in their ability wise, but he's so much better than Hosolu, so we can't complain. The way we play, we need to play more to his strengths. So sometimes I do think we try to play some neat passing when really we need to be putting the ball in the box. I don't think sometimes we don't we need to, we need to play more to his strengths. When we had Andy Carroll up front, I'll say one thing about about Pardew and uh, Chris Hughton that season. When we had Andy Carroll up front, we literally played every single ball to Andy Carroll. We tried to get the best out of him, and I think maybe we need to start thinking if Rondon's in the team, we need to start. I'm not saying play long ball. I'm saying that you need to, the idea is to whip the ball wide and get it into the box. And we sometimes we don't do that enough, and we I think we need to do it a bit more. I think the wide play is probably an issue that we we spoke about last week in quite great mm. detail. Do you think that's been a continuation of those issues? For me, Richie's not a wing back. I think, like we said last week, I think Richie was a great Championship player and was a good Premier League player, but I don't think he's played very well this year, in my opinion. Yedlin is going through a bad patch. You were mentioning to me that he's not the same as a wing back as a because he doesn't have any protection and he's he does struggle and I think we saw that with the goal and generally the last few weeks you know teams are going down their left side on Yedlin because they know 
he gets caught and he is struggling mm-hmm. a little bit. So I think it is an issue. You know, he tried, he brought in the, the lad from Monaco who has played four minutes, I think. Is it Bareka? Yes. And he, so he's clearly not made any impact. It's interesting. I think he doesn't trust Domit there either because Domit's been fit for a while clearly doesn't he has the issue that with Dummett that he probably doesn't provide anything going forward Kennedy can play there but he's been ridiculously poor this year and I don't think he could he could be trusted again with the defensive so it's probably I think Rafa needs to decide what formation he wants to play because he whatever what signings he needs will be based on if he's here <laughs> as if he's here I actually think we suit three five two better because we've got some very good centre halves. Okay, so I mean we've we've won five games at home consecutively with that formation. Do you think he's he's wanted to stick with that given the fact that it's proven at home there's a hesitance for him to change it? I think I think personally he should stick with three five two. I just think at the moment we are still trying to play he's trying to work Perez and Almiron to work together. Problem with Perez is he doesn't track back, so it leaves the right wing back sometimes a little bit exposed. I also felt in centre mid that in the second half we kind of lost a bit of the control of the game. Hayden and Key played well first half, but I think second half. And I, I mean, we're going to come on to Shelby a bit later on, but um, there is. I still think central midfield, except for long staff, I'm not sure if we have enough quality there. So once again, it's coming down to it doesn't take much before the limitations of the squad are revealed. I think it depends how we see it. Are we seeing it as we want to be a... What is our aim? What is our aim? To stay in the Premier League, we've probably got enough in the squad, like with Ron, with you know, with the Rondons and the squad that we've got. But if you want to improve, then you have to add quality. And we know with our ownership, that's not going to happen. <laughs> And that's that's the crossroads we face, I suppose, isn't it, yeah. going into the, the, the close end of the season. So you mentioned Shelby briefly there. Yeah. Um, and also people like Kennedy. Um, Matt Ritchie's been talked about on more than one occasion uh, in the last podcast. So what are the, the implications for you know the rest of the season and the, the, the next steps? Do you think that there are, are, are players that are almost certain to leave? I mean, let, let's, let's, let's focus about on Shelby, the introduction of Shelby. I've listened to some podcasts and I've also read some comments um, that go from a spectrum of saying that Shelby's just what the the game needed when he was introduced to that's why Shelby uh, can't be trusted. So he's he's quite a divisive player in terms of um, perceptions of his performances. What was your view on on Shelby's attitude and and his application in this game? For me, with Shelby, I... Didn't have a huge issue with his attitude um, in this game. I think this year he's been very unlucky with injuries. Um, I also don't think he played very well at the start of the season when he was in the team. For me, he comes very deep and he was, like what I said last week, he was trying to play through balls, but there was no real runners. And I think possibly now being on the bench, he's, he's trying a bit too hard to mm-hmm. kind of force things for us. Personally, I'd start him. I think he's the best midfielder, central midfielder we have. I've always said I think he's better in a 4-3-3 where he's got two people alongside him. But Rafa doesn't, Rafa's not going to change. He likes the two in the middle with Perez off the striker. We need to get him back to where he was at the end of last year. At the end of last year, he was man of the match against Man U, man of the match against Arsenal, man of the match against Chelsea. He ran the game. He kept picking the ball up, finding runs. Um, him and Kennedy linked up very well. That's, 
that kind of end of last season. And like for me, he should have gone with the England squad um, at the time. Um, and I think there was a lot of calls from fans here. Um, I think this year, obviously, injuries have disrupted him. He's one of those players who I think he had the same issue at Swansea, where when he doesn't get into the team, maybe he could be a slight disruptive player. You know, we started to hear, oh, West Ham are going in for him and all the rumours that happened with him. I think we should keep him. He's better than, as I said, he's for me, he's better than Diame. And for me, he's, he's younger, a little bit younger, and he's better than Key. But um, I think probably if there's a good... Unless Rafa's... If, I think Rafa and him, there's a bit of a difficulty as well. I don't know. I, I find I find him frustrating sometimes, but I still know that if he had the right runners, he would he would pick out some really good passes. And I think now with Almiron, he would really do really thrive. Um, but it seems to me like Rafa's he's 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 actually fourth, you know, the fourth or fifth choice midfielder now because he's played Hayden ahead of him, he's played Key ahead of him, he's played mm-hmm. Diarmi ahead of him, and he's played Longstaff ahead of him. So if you're a midfielder who was last year probably our best player in the last year, you're not going to stick around to be fifth choice. I think a lot of people are putting a lot of stock in partnership with him and Almiron mm. uh, being something going forward. And I, 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 truth be told, I would quite like to see that. You made reference to links to West Ham and also um, discussions about other players like Kennedy and Diame and, and their futures here. Um, do you think there's any implications going into the close season for people who might come or go at the club? Um, so if you look at our squad, who I think probably is going to go, if you look at the keepers, I think we're trying to get Rob Elliott off the wage bill because I think he must be on like 25 grand a week. We don't really need him. We've got Dubravka Darlo, so we don't really need him. I think Freddie Woodman is, is one I, w- I would be very upset to see go because mm-hmm. I don't feel he's been given a chance. You know, he needs to develop. We saw him for England, I think he was under 20s, where he, he made that great save in the World It Was it the final? I think the World Cup final or something like that. And um, I think he... I worry about him and the Fraser Forster situation where we let someone go who turns out turns into a really good player. In terms of defence, I think Kieran Clark will go. I think he's had a raw deal. I don't know what you think about Kieran Clark. Do you think he's had a bit of a raw deal? It's hardly getting a look in. Cause... Uh, I think it comes to... There's this kind of bizarre notion that stems from the top in a lot of ways that if you're, you're not playing, that you're surplus to requirements. Whereas I think we've been conditioned in a lot of ways, mm. that having surplus players in a certain position. Uh, not, surplus is probably the wrong word, but having having a depth of players in in various in various positions is um, is a bad thing. Whereas, uh, no, it's not really. It's about competition. It's about having people who can like, really depend upon. Yeah, um, I, I think is the th- for me with Clark, he's a good backup. Like exactly, he's exactly. a good he is a good backup, but. Um, He's like for me as well. If you're a backup player, you still need to be able to make an impact on the first team, and um, he's really not had a look in for quite a while. Especially considering we play three, five. But he, you know, with Lejeune's injury now, he might he might get a shot. So kind of watch this space with Kieran Clark. I think Kennedy will definitely not be renewing his loan. He has been a disaster this season. The Cardiff away game where I couldn't believe he wasn't substituted because he was so poor in that game. And then he decided to take the penalty and then he missed it at the end. That is set the tone for his season because he's really done very, very little. Not really put any crossing. This is so different from the player we saw last year 
who literally was the player we made sure we passed the ball to because he was the attacking threat. I'll be interested to see what happens with him at Chelsea because, um, you know, I, I think his time is limited in the Prem at the moment. In terms of who, I mean, I read today that Perez has been linked to Napoli. And um, okay, I would sell him. I would, I would take the money and run. I mean, I don't know if they've been scout him very, very well or anything. I mean, I've watched Napoli a few times and he is nowhere near their level. So, uh, but if they're interested, I would take the money. I think it's one of those situations like when we had the Sissoko where we somehow got 35 million for him. You just have to take the money and run with some of these situations because um, he's really not played very well. Um, he was very poor against Crystal Palace as well. Okay, I suppose it's interesting, isn't it? You think about how much stock you put in price numbers on players mm. and things like that. Bearing in mind, it's got to be ensured that it's reinvested back in the team. Um, so, you know, you, we could quote 35 million, we could quote 10 million. Sometimes it's neither here nor there. It's whether we see it. Yeah, so true. Because, like, you know, we saw that season we went down, we saw so many players, but none, none of it came back on the pitch. So, yeah, you're, you're definitely right. You know, even the Andy Carroll sale, we never really reinvested that money. So, like like we know with the Ashley regime, it's um, money in the bank doesn't mean that it's going to be spent on players, unfortunately. Spreadsheet champions. Yes. That's what I was going with. And now, a quick word from this week's sponsor. Hello, I'm Ike Mashley, and welcome to Ike Mashley's Pork Pie Emporium. Like pork pies? And on a diet? Well, don't worry about my pork pies, as there's absolutely no substance to them whatsoever. So, if you like pork pies, and you like your pork pies big and fat, come down to Ike Mashley's Pork Pie Emporium, and bring a friend, and get a free pack of Sports Neglect socks, free with every purchase. The pies don't actually exist. Socks not included. I suppose there's not a lot much more to say really about uh, Crystal Palace other than that it's uh, it's another defeat this time at home of course uh, which which isn't good for the the record the home record but we've got uh, Leicester coming up um, mm. which is a, a another difficult game uh, away to look to there's the ongoing mm. discussion of Rafa's contract this week we had had some interesting developments we had at the start of the week talk of him signing uh, for an agency in France mm. Uh, and then towards the end, uh, a little bit um, closer to home, we had quotes from the man himself saying that he waits for an answer mm. on the contract situation, um, which kind of is a bit contradictory to um, some media reports about having confidence in him signing a new contract or being offered a new contract. So what, what, what are your thoughts on those developments? Yeah, I always find it strange when... Uh they say oh they've signed with an agency in France I'm like surely Marseille or whoever can contact his agent what we're seeing now is perhaps Rafa is possibly planning got a plan b because you know if, if Newcastle don't come back with promises and certain offer then you know he's 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 still young he, he wants to work at the top level and he, he 
he's a he's a very good manager so he should be at the top level so perhaps he's looking he has started to look you know where he could go um i think for me if he was given guarantees that this was going to be spent that was going to be spent then he would probably stay but he knows that he can't you can't rely on what mike ashley said you know mike ashley has just is he doesn't want to spend on that he just wants his bottom line and to be making the money so sometimes i listen to him and i think yeah he's gonna stay because he likes the club he likes the area he likes the fans but then he's so frustrated and um he's had so many things told to him that would happen it hasn't happened you know, I, I think all oh, he'll go. Um, I really do think it's fifty-fifty. I don't like the way they're leaving it till the end of the season. I just think it just creates uncertainty. And for the, for for, I think it. Let's say he leaves in the summer. Yeah, it's just gonna cause us more problems because we're gonna have to get a new manager. Then the new manager is gonna want to have a look for his own players, and it's just gonna be a chaos. I just wish they'd say from now, like, oh, Rafa is definitely gonna leave at the end of the season, or he's gonna be here next season. We need to we need to start thinking about what we're gonna do next year as well, which is important. I always think that the big thing to pay attention to is Rafa's tone and demeanor mm. at any one any one time. Um, I wait for an answer. There's a lot of finality to that sentence, whereas prior in games prior to this, it's been we'll see what happens, we'll concentrate on what's on the pitch, things like that, whereas mm. there's often quite a drastic change in, in tone and paradigm when it mm. comes to the way he, he he frames things or references things at any one point. So um, I think that's quite telling um, mm. at the level of frustration. And when you say 50-50, you know, I think that's quite a fair assessment. There's a lot of fans who are either way pretty certain that he'll he'll stay because of the love of the fans and things like that uh, but, uh, but also there's, there's people who are certain he's going um, and i think, and I think these are these are good indicators aren't they yeah i think the thing he finds frustrating is like literally we do not get anything out from the club except for what rafa tells us and it's whilst like you look at other clubs you'll see you know the chief exec or someone will be talking you know but with Newcastle, it literally everything comes from you know Raf, what Rafa says. Like you look at Palace, Steve Parrish constantly do does interviews, talks about what their plans are. With Newcastle, it's just Rafa, Rafa every single time, and I can imagine that for him, it kind of gets frustrating when they're not communicating with him, and he keeps getting asked the same questions because he's like, well, no, you need to ask the people, but unfortunately, the press can't talk to these people because. They don't do interviews. They don't. Nothing comes out from like the hierarchy. So I can imagine for Rafa, he's probably fed up of these questions as well because he doesn't know yet either. If you look at the the predecessors that have come before him, they've very much been the the mouthpieces and the mm. the, the figureheads that you know bear all the slings and arrows from all all quarters. So um, I think they were quite happy with that arrangement. Yeah. You know, McLaren I think being the. I think... Uh, and Pardew being the, yeah. the the ones before. Yeah, I think it's interesting when you listen to Pardew after Newcastle job. Um, I, I listened to him talk a few times, and um, he kind of talked about how he he started to find it frustrating because he he kind of felt that you know, especially after the Andy Carroll thing, where he was told that you know Andy Carroll wasn't going to be sold. 
like he signed a new contract it's not going to happen trust and he went on tv and said it's not going to happen and then it did happen and then um I think it was the same with Johan Kabai. The season Johan Kabai went. Sometimes it grates on people when you you you're told something, you say it out in public, and then nothing happens. It's just uh, so. I think as a manager, it's very very difficult to con- be that constant mouthpiece when you don't feel you're being supported. Right. Yeah. Fair enough. Um, so once again, um, we wait on clarity for that situation mm. uh five games five weeks left to go mm. um and it would be an ideal point to try and nip some of these nickeling uh annoyances in the bud and try and give people clarity i mean mm. at the end of the day people are paying or have paid season ticket money mm. um they should really know who's in charge by this point especially if it's a manager who's looking by all indicators mm. to keep us safe um so that's what I wanted to come to, really. We've alluded to the uh, the idea of being a mouthpiece and the idea of who's representing who um, as part of the club. So I just wanted to think, obviously, Lee Charnley is a, is a person who um, is in and around the conversation quite a lot. Mm. Uh, but you tend to get the extremes of Mike Ashley and Rafa, particularly at this point. Um, we know that Rafa tells us he speaks to Lee Charnley uh, every day, if if you know if not every other day and i guess it's it's what is his role in this i mean if people his harshest critics will say that he is just a stooge um whereas mike ashley would have us believe that he is managing director of the club so all mastermind (laughs) footballing matters go through him um so i just wanted to think you know if you were lee charnley in this position right now you are the manager director of newcastle united football club what would you be doing at this point? Um, I think I would want, I think I'd be communicating with the fans. I think there's been a complete breakdown between Newcastle fans and the hierarchy. Um, I think I would want to know and be able to inform the fans as well, because they're your customers. Um, And I think season ticket sales will be going down this season because of this issue. Um, I think he would if the fans want to know a is Mike does Mike Ashley want to sell or does he not want to sell it does make a difference and we keep getting conflicting messages and I think people would understand you know being a bit more frugal if he was but if he was wanting to sell but we need to know that I think the other thing he we need to think about is like what's our model now for how we're going to do player recruitment because there's so many things that like we need to do in the transfer market the rondon deal like what's going to happen there is he going to be signed what's going to happen with dwight gale and jacob murphy because uh, obviously they're both out on loan does rafa now get control over his transfers and can he just buy the players he wants or there just needs to be more communication the, the people get frustrated when there's no communication if someone was telling us there's no money there's no money there's no money We'd be annoyed, but we'd be like, at least they're telling us. <laughs> but when they don't tell us and they leave everything up in the air and mystic and stuff and, you know, it just it just it increases your frustration and um, it's, just, it's just very, very difficult being a Newcastle fan when you don't really know what's going on. 
I mean, it's, it's, if his role is to do what's in the best interests of, of the club, we heard in uh, previous podcasts from other members um, of both the, the group that we're involved with and um, other fans, um, that it's a case of listening to the experts. Um, if you were to, uh, a couple of seasons back, the idea was that that was communicated when it was communicated was that they were listening to Rafa, what Rafa wants, Rafa gets, mm. you know, he is the expert. We are listening to him. Um, what, what seems to have changed from that point? Well, it seems to me that they have gone and they've gone back to what they were doing before. Um, they've gone back to, okay, we can only, we can't buy anyone permanently over the, you know, we can't buy anyone permanently. We need to be buying players who've got resale value. Um, you know, the Almiron deal took so long to complete. Um, and, you know, they waited and waited. But really, like the price tag, they could have d- done that business. But they're negotiating over the littlest things. Um, the way, I mean, from what I've read, there's an issue with Newcastle with kind of agent fees that, for instance, we went in. F- for Tammy Abraham, but we wouldn't, we weren't prepared to pay the agent fee, which, you know, you can understand. Look, people don't like the fact that agents make so much money from football, but unfortunately, if you want to be a top team, you have to pay the top money. So, if you want good players, then you need to be willing to to spend money to get them. And unfortunately, agent fees included. But we're just very, very. Um, we're so reluctant to part with any money that we get left with kind of what's left over and it shows on the pitch I mean it shows on the pitch the players that we have they they're all really hard workers and they all really try very hard but they're just players that just aren't quite good enough and I think Rafa knows that he doesn't he didn't want Hoslu he was his seventh seventh choice on the list Mm -hmm. like so he knows he's not good enough and he knows that it's not, you know, the same with Jacob Murphy. He, knew, he, he, he was, I think, six on his list of wingers. But that's what he got. He, that's what he got. So it's, it's just really, really difficult. And I think Rafa even now is like, he looks at some of his signings and he does wonder about them. Like Mutu, I think we said, it, he's a, a mystery because he signed him, but he, do, he clearly doesn't have any faith in him. So... Yeah, I, I think it shows when Rafa doesn't get what he wants that he can be a bit difficult and, you know, because he he doesn't have faith in those players that he's brought in. I mean, my, my perception would be that if you are truly a mediator, you yeah. try and represent both sides of a, an argument. So if the argument from above is we need to stick to this model or this is the preferred model, in equally, there needs to, needs to be a resistance to that saying hang on, this is where the market rates are at, this is where the agent's fees are at, this is the climate we're operating in, mm. this is what our expert tells us, and then move the, the needle dependent on what, that, what, what comes from those discussions. Mm. Whereas what I often feel, and I think a lot of fans feel, uh, is that the likes of Rafa are, are railroaded into these kind of practices, and it results in what you've just described in terms of incoherence and and uh you know an, a disorganization on the pitch not for want of uh tactical uh developments or anything like that but um because 
there's fuzzy thinking at boardroom level. Mm, I, I've always thought that they needed someone who's a football man to be in between, not joking here. <laughs> um, <laughs> they needed someone who's the football man to just be in between. So they've got someone who's like a sporting director or something like that, like a lot of top clubs have, to help Rafa with being the sound piece for the club and to um, to kind of uh, also be immediate. Someone who knows football, someone who knows business to do that role. A bit like the role Les Ferdinand's doing at QPR. Yeah. Yeah. However, they don't do that. They kind of leave Rafa on his own. And if you don't, if you, I mean, if I'm an employee and um, my boss puts me out all the time and doesn't give me any information, but I still have to answer all these different questions, it's going to frustrate me. I mean, it's going to frustrate me if your boss isn't telling you anything and you keep getting asked the same questions and you don't know. It's just, it's not a nice environment to work in. I mean, I, I actually feel very sorry for Rafa in, in a way because if you look at the kind of the Liverpool job, he kind of was there with Hicks and Gillette in kind of a really kind of weird period where they they were spending money, but then they run up into debt and he had to sell players as well. And then he, he's come to Newcastle and he's also got a nightmare owner. You know, same with Valencia. You know, he created that great Valencia side with Amar. Uh, Baraga, David Villa, and then he had to, um, you know, again they wouldn't spend money, so he had to leave Valencia. Yeah, and I, I, another factor is we've got this spectre of uh, Justin Barnes as a character who seems to be a name that floats around the club, yeah. as, as well as um, the presence of people like Keith Bishop as well, yeah. um, who seem to be at Ashley's side whenever he's at uh, games when he does turn up. Um, I mean, we've we've not fully clarified what his role has mm. been at the club so far. They're less visible. This is when when Ashley first came in, we had Chris Moore, who was kind of you know lawyer, who was doing the job, and at least you saw Chris Moore, you know, especially when we had the Keegan. At least Chris Moore was there. Then you had Derek Lambias. Mm. He did a lot of interviews. You know, I didn't like him, and I thought he was a bit disrespectful. Um, to Shearer at the time, and but at least he was visible and he'd do interviews and he'd explain things, um, and he'd say what happened. But then since kind of Derek Lambias left, we've not really had anyone kind of in between. It leads to this vacuum. And um, I hope the answer isn't to bring back Derek. No, Lambias. I wouldn't bring him. He was a terrible, uh, terrible person. Yeah, person generally. But, uh, but I'm saying that at least there was someone there, but we don't have anyone to, we don't even have anyone to, to have a go at anymore. <laughs> we just, we just have Mike Ashley and like Lee Charnley, I've rarely seen him talk in, I think he's done one interview with Evening Chronicle. I mean, how, how can any club work like that? It's just, it's, it's really, really difficult as a Newcastle fan. Um, it's the uncertainty, which just, you don't really know what's going to happen next. Okay. Well, we've got Leicester coming up thick and fast on Friday. Mm. Um, another really difficult game. Uh, yes. uh, a, a really good side. Um, we have a terrible and... record against Leicester. Well, the last time I saw us play Leicester was at home in the three oh. nil under Steve McLaren. Yeah, uh, Bard, Bardi game. Bardi territories to pieces. And Okazaki I mean, scored. Yeah. Uh, it was a completely soul shredding experience. Yeah. 
We won. Um, we won there last year. To be fair, before people say, "Oh, we did, yeah, we did win there last year with Perez." I think scored um, a fantastic finish as well. With the Leicester game itself, there's the club where we probably should model ourselves a bit on what they're doing because they have got bought in players, you know, young some young British players. The likes of Maguire, the likes of Madison. They've got Har- um, Harvey Barnes coming through as well. Damari Gray as well. They brought in players who are young, but they spent the money that they needed to spend to bring them in, and that now they've developed them and they're playing, you know, attacking football and so forth. And uh, I, th- I do think we do should model ourselves a bit on how what Leicester are doing because they are buying players, improving them, and then probably they'll sell them on, which I think is kind of the Newcastle model, but we're just doing it terribly. I believe they've also spent record amounts on their academy, confirmed in recent weeks, in fact. Plans unveiled or or confirmed. Yeah, but they did spend £30 on Islam Slomani. Good song, though. I want to dance with Slomani song. Oh, no, Not all bad. That signing was a bit of a disaster. It was... uh, We bought him on loan for, nine, I think, nine games. He was injured for the first three. Then we finally got him, and then he was suspended for three because he got a three-match match. <laughs> Just, you, can't, you can't make it up. So to the game itself, then, yeah. uh, what are your predictions? Um, I think we will be defensive, and we will, we will try and catch them on the counter-attack. Um, the last two performances against Arsenal and Palace, though, have made me a bit wary of our goal threat. So I do think Leicester will probably win. So my heart says we'll get a draw, but my head says probably a Leicester win, maybe 2-1. I think in terms of till the end of the season, what, what it means for us, I think we need. St- I think we still need one win to stay up. I think we were very lucky with what happened to Cardiff against Chelsea because that, that offside goal really probably deflated Cardiff. So, But I still feel we need a point or maybe three to kind of ensure we're safe this season so I think that should be good motivation for the players I believe they have Burnley next so that's that's a game that yeah. Cardiff might might get something from so we you know we can't be complacent and I think that um I just hope that Ron, Rondon Rondon has, has proven himself a, a, a crucial figure this season and I don't think we've seen the last of him in terms of his his ability um so I'm, I'm hoping he gets his shooting boots back for yeah. Leicester but I think you're right. I think it's going to be a, a respectable defeat, I suppose. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, you know, it's the points we need at the end of the day. It's frustrating when you don't think um, we've got, a, we need, we still need a bit more of a threat going forward. I still don't think we have that. You know, Almiron is an upgrade, but we need more going forward because there's times where I look at the team and I just think, where is the, if, except for Rondon, I do think where is the goals coming from? And uh, we do, so I, I do think we, we're we still struggling when we go away to have a real threat. And uh, But hopefully they might surprise us and do what they did last year and might win. So, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll see how it goes.